Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. I'm Rudo. He's Jesse. We Ooh. are talking the news of the weekend. Is, is it really there, news? There I mean. was something that I would consider to be news. <laughs> there was one single thing I would be to, that I would consider news, Rudo. That that was that's what I think happened this weekend. Is that is uh, you're talking about Kovalenko? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, that yeah. even? It's not even like an official contract. No. Uh, Sourcing is reliable. I will say that. Yeah, but are, are we are we kicking off with Kovalenko? We're starting with All right. Kovalenko, well, so then what, yes. I, what I'll say is, uh, I thought it was newsworthy because of the discussion that was surrounding his status when the KHL season ended. I agree. Would he be eligible to even come over now before the end of the season? Just done with that. You're done yeah. with that. That was why I thought it was newsworthy. Was because if everything unfolds to your point, it's not official, but a a source everyone can feel pretty good about if everything plays out the way that they said him signing the deal and then going back to the KHL technically on loan that would make him available to come over play in the NHL as soon as his KHL season is done yep uh which was the one bit of outstanding information that we didn't have surrounding this whole Kovalenko situation otherwise I'd go with what you're saying of it's not really news. We kind of knew this was coming also not even fully official yet Correct. for the record yeah. the contract is not signed uh, there are a couple of interesting tidbits here. A Wolf in the chat asking, when does the KHL season begin and end? Begins around September 1st, sometimes a little bit later, sometimes a little bit earlier. Uh, with playoffs, it's usually over by the end of March. Their their season, yeah, typically runs anywhere from four to six weeks ahead of what the NHL does. Yep. So For some reason. Usually... <laughs> Uh, Kovalenko does play for a pretty decent team, so you can't expect them to go at least a couple rounds in the playoffs. I would say mid-March is a realistic target date for mm -hmm. that season to be over. Um, a couple of things here. First of all, we're going to glaze over this pretty quickly, but you're seeing things like this get done for more Russians right now, given the geopolitical situation, mm -hmm. given a little bit of the instability with the future of Russia in general. Mm -hmm. I think don't be surprised if Kovalenko is not the last guy to do something mm -hmm. like this uh, with the abs or otherwise. Well, I mean, but there's been some instability surrounding the KHL for the last couple of regardless seasons. Regardless of political right, stuff. Right. Yeah. A massive drop in their salary cap, what they're allowed to hand out to players, at least on the books. Yep. And then factor in what you're talking about, everything that's happening over there and just the, the instability in, in that part of the world right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think this is overly surprising. Uh, even for guys like Guliyev, you know, that's why you feel yep. fairly comfortable that they would probably be coming this way. Exactly. And, and there was supposedly a, a very weird clause in this contract where if Kovalenko doesn't play for the apps by December, he can go, go back. back to the KHL. Yeah. I mean, th th this, a lot of the, I haven't necessarily see that specifically and and to your point earlier we'll wait till all this is official but yeah. i wouldn't be surprised given everything that you were just talking about the the uncertainty over there with more russian players coming over i would not be surprised to see something like that become a little bit more common common yeah. just because look we saw it a couple years ago with i can never remember his name off the top of my head the low bridge kid uh mirinov andre mirinov thank you we saw with him where there was an expectation of I'm not coming over to play in the AHL. If yep. I wanted to play minor, you know, in the league below the NHL, I'd just stay home in Russia. I think these guys who are going to come over, who we might see, you know, make deals the way that Kovalenko did, they're coming over to play in the National Hockey League. They're not coming over to develop. Now, obviously, I, I don't think any of those guys are going to turn their nose up at a game or two to get acclimated to North American style hockey or anything like that. Yep. But they are coming over to play for the Colorado Avalanche or whatever the NHL clubs are that they're signing. So... I think that'll be more and more common with these deals over the next couple of, of years. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of different things there. One, a big part of the reason why they don't want to play in the AHL is the money. On an ELC contract, you make $70,000 in the AHL. Now, there's a signing bonus there, too, but yeah. most Russians take a look at that and say, I can make seventy k and hang out in Russia. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah easily. Be a lot more comfortable, don't have any culture shock, all of that. So... It's it's hard to get those players to come over for that. And and the reality with Kovalenko is he's absolutely coming over to play straight into the NHL. Mm -hmm. There's no... Well, I mean, we even talked about, is there a possibility 
that this is the Avs' last move? That that they, depending on how they feel about, you know, when Kovalenko's coming over and all that, is there a chance they're just going to say, ah, we'll roll with it through the first part of the season, get Kovalenko, and then... Yeah, I wanted to get into that conversation, and I... My Sorry, answer is no, no. It's <laughs> that's how conversation happens, man. Uh, honestly, I still expect them to go get a forward mm-hmm. at some point this off season, but maybe it's much more of a. This is a guy, right, right, right. <laughs> Be, depending on how, what. The, so let me ask you, Rudo, how do you feel about Kovalenko? I think he's an easy drop in and third liner in the NHL right now. I, today, I think yeah. he could be a third-line NHLer. I do think there's a pretty hard ceiling at the NHL. I've seen people trying to throw him up on a second line for the Avs. I don't think he's that good. Right. I'm with you. Let's let's wait to see what he does. If yep. he takes another step. Because that that's the part about this that gives gives me, and it sounds like maybe you as well, that just little half moment of pause of like, okay, okay, okay. There was a there was a big breakout this last yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. He, he was plugging along just fine. KHL, MHL, big breakout this year. If he builds on that, okay, you can maybe talk me into some top six upside. But uh, from what I've seen in years past, I think this is a player to be excited about. I think this is an NHL player, solid middle six guy. But I'm with you. Pump so the top six breaks. It's and look, there's a couple of realities here. One. It's a lot easier to score in the KHL than in somewhere it's like the like NHL. The, the Q of pro hockey. It's a really good way <laughs> to put it, honestly. It, it's 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 a little bit different, right? Because they are on the international ice. It is bigger ice. It just creates more space for talented players to get into open areas and and do their thing, especially in that league compared to like the SHL, where Sweden pumps out defenders like crazy. Mm-hmm. They shut down all this space. Defense partially optional. In the well, KHL. And, and I mean, like the the KHL watching KHL highlights is super fun because it's it's just it's all skill. It's all, the time. all yeah. skill. It's a ton of guys like Neil Yakupov and, yep. and stuff like that that yep. are just like unbelievably talented. They're all star. I actually think they have the best all star oh. game of any of the pro. Yeah, people lighting like sticks on fire, Dude, all sorts of crazy. Their all star yeah. game is sick because it's just a bunch of it's it's all the guys that everyone in North America is like, oh, no effort, so <laughs> talented. They all go there, and they're all still equally as talented. <laughs> yep. So that's a lot of what the league is. The goaltending isn't to the same level. Um, and then, I mean, like, Andre Mirnov was one of the defensemen. I believe he won defenseman of the year yep. one year. And we watched that guy over Cannot here. Cannot hack it in the NHL. All that guy yep. does is just, now, he does lay people out. But Illegally, but. Right, right, right. <laughs> Illegally by the NHL standards. But that was a lot of what his game was, was being big, physical, hit hard, hit often. And again, he was the defenseman of the year for the KHL. Yeah. Uh, so just the way that that league operates is very different. And, and that's, I think, what is important to note about Kovalenko is he is not the lazy Russian archetype. Right, right, right. He is very much a guy who will mix it up physically, will get to the dirty areas. That's why he projects so well as an NHLer is because he does a lot of those, those things that a lot of Russians in the KHL don't. Yeah. And now you look at the Avs lineup and you say, hey, you have Miles Wood, goal scorer type, Ross Colton, who you're asking to kind of drive that line this year. And then you throw a Kovalenko in there to do a bunch of the dirty work, get into the, the I dirty think you areas. Feel really good about that third line. How do you not? Really good How about that. How do you that. not? It, it just seems like it's going to add up super, super well. Because he's a guy that I, I, I don't think that like a 15 to 20 goal guy is an unfair expectation for Kovalenko. 20 would be a lot. 15 I, for sure. I, 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 I see him with guys like this. You always, cause they always have the one year, right? Where it's of okay. Course, where yeah. do they, where do they peak out? Yeah. I see Kovalenko as a, I'm with you on most years. He's going to be a set and forget 13 to 17 goal yep. guy. And he'll have one year. He'll give you 20 or 21 and you'll feel really good about that. Yeah. Uh, but I think if you've got him, let's just 15. Ross yeah. Colton, 15 to 20, right? He's got he, a 22-goal he, season under his belt. Given what they paid him, he needs to push more towards 20. Yep, I'm with you. So let's say you got 15 out of Kovalenko. Say 18. Let's average him out. 18 sure. for Colton. And then what's Miles Wood going to give you? Between 10 and 15? 12, 13, So we'll say 12, yeah. yeah. I think you feel great about that production on your third That's line. A- 45 goals call it out of your third line right right. let alone any kind of special teams that you can get out of them power play or penalty kill yeah uh i think you feel great about that 
And, and suddenly, dude, I, I know analytic models and stuff like that. Megan and I talked about it. Uh, Megan Tiff and I talked about it on Friday. I know analytic models don't love them. Vegas really likes what Colorado has done. And I think when we lay out something like that, like I sit there and I say, how do you not really like what Colorado has done? To me, if that's your third line and you're getting about what you and I just laid out, which yep. I don't think is unreasonable for no, any of those I... guys. That's not like dreaming too big on any of them. I, I think you're right back into the territory for how your bottom six looked in 22. And, and the important thing is difficulty to play against. I think the Avs depth, yeah, obviously in the playoffs, they couldn't score at all. I get it. There were times in the regular season where they didn't have trouble scoring, but you're talking about a bunch of guys that, look, Alex Newhook, not a very hard guy to play against. Mm -hmm. Just kind of yep. reality there. Logan O'Connor, yeah, he's running around bopping into stuff. He's not the biggest dude. He's not going right. to truck people. He's more of hard to play against when he doesn't have the puck. Yeah. I feel like he's not that, like... More of a pest, almost. Yeah, 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 yeah For yeah. sure. Which is valuable. Not no, taking no I'm him, not taking it right. It's not. But it's not, hey, Miles Wood is six foot three mm -hmm. and can fly around and right. it takes a billion penalties, which is bad, but also mm -hmm. you're going to hate playing against that guy. Well, and, and we talked about the penalties on, on Friday, and... We pointed out there have been a few players who have come through Colorado who have had the penalty issues, but have gotten them at least maybe not worked all the way out. Somewhat but under control. Right, yeah. Under control, a little bit more disciplined. Yeah. Uh, you know, you think of Manson, uh, who was the forward that we mentioned. Uh, oh, I forget. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But, but there was one who came through just a couple last year, two years ago. I was taking a ton of penalties. Got it figured out. <laughs> You know, Logan O'Connor, even when he first got to Colorado, got it figured out. Yep. Um, so the Avs have a little bit of a track record of this. Yeah, it's it's an interesting spot. You know, I think a lot of new Avalanche fans just expect this is the norm, but people who have followed the team for the last decade or more, Colorado is now a place where players come to get better at their mm -hmm. game. In the middle of the 2010s, Colorado was a place where the dregs of the NHL yeah. end up going. Not I, I feel like the abs are like they're kind of becoming the, the organization. It was Mac. Of, thank you, Koga. The, yep, thank you. It was yep, Abe Kubel. It was him. By the time he left, you, you felt you felt fine about what he was doing penalty wise. Um I, I feel like the abs, relative to what you're talking about, Rudo, are more of like a let us show you what you're good at. Yeah. <laughs> we know that you can play hockey. <laughs> Can we tell you what you're good at, though, and help you get really? Because that's that's what I feel like players are leaving and they have a role. They have something carved out. Yep. This is what you do. This is what I can do. Uh, and obviously the ultimate example, like Val Nachushkin, when they got him, he's like, yeah. good underlying's not really sure. And they're like, no, you're a pain in the ass to play yeah. against. Forecheck, sticks and lanes. Like, that's what All you, you need is a little bit of confidence. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but so it's, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Kovalenko apropos of all that. Yeah. Hey, uh, one more thing on Kovalenko and we can move on. We kind of talked about this. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Have something they've done in the past, something they're starting to do again here is build a little bit of a Russian pipeline. Yep. Obviously, Nachushkin, now Kovalenko, drafting Guliyev. And when you start to get this many Russians, you start looking beyond the draft you start being able to recruit Russians that come through free agency that go undrafted that other teams aren't sure they're going to be able to get over to North America. It's suddenly an Avenue that opens up to Colorado. <clears throat> and look, I, we've talked a lot about Colorado's amateur scouting and how it, it's questionable. Their pro scouting has been Nails amazing. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> The Colton deal came in a little bit higher than we thought. The absolute just a shade under three million. Yep. I, I mentioned it again on, on, on Friday. I, I don't I don't think they have the money to get involved with Tarasenko anymore. I, I think that ship has probably yeah. sailed. Yeah. And unless Tarasenko wants to just win a cup at all costs, right. which he already has one, so right, right. But he is the guy that just with every He's still out passing there. day. He's still out there. And what you're talking about, Rudo, and I don't hear any rumors of, oh, these teams are in on, these teams are on. He got a new, Tarasenko got a new agent. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he would take a, you know, a $2 million deal 
not far off from what Evan Rodriguez did last year. But I'm mostly just saying this is just another thing that the Avs could now go to him and be like, hey, it's two million bucks. We got Nachushkin here. We got Kovalenko coming. Yeah. We got some Russians here for you. We're going to give you a really good chance to win the cup. It, I, I do wonder how realistic that is. And, and it's, it's actually funny. And Georgiev. I mean, he speaks, speaks Russian. Russian there yeah. might be a little bit of a culture difference there. Uh, but Paulo Francois also speaks does Russian. speak Russian as yeah. well. Yeah. So whole room's going to be speaking Russian pretty soon. Dude, it was funny because last year it's the three Russian speakers. Uh, Fr- uh, it's Frank Georgiev, e- then Francois, then Nachushkin yep. in the practice facility. And so they would be speaking Russian loudly. In their little corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like, if you just go in there and kind of like ambient <laughs> listen, you can hear a solid talk track of Russian, which was impressive given there's one Russian in the locker. I, the most Dennis of the, Mulgan also yeah, spoke yeah, Russian. Yep, yep. The uh, I mostly only know Russian swear words, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all you need. One of my uh, one of my favorite moments from Andrei Mironov actually was the first the dev camp he came to. Yeah. He messed up some drill and just at the top of his lungs goes suka. <laughs> it's like ah, I know that one. Yeah, <laughs> I recognize that word. That's good. Uh, anyway. We are brought to you by Breckenridge Distillery. Uh, they make some award-winning bourbon whiskey. You can check that out. They also make other hard liquors as well. A bunch of amazing alcohol from them. You got to go and check out Breckenridge Distillery. Of course, you can get them in most local liquor stores. But, you know, when you're here in town, you might as well check out one of their distilleries. Go, uh, go help support another local business. That's uh, teamed up with us here at DNVR. Uh, they're the world's highest distillery, which I yeah. found funny because they're probably like vertically the highest, but also weed the highest. Well, see, I, I thought I thought that that was vertically the highest. I, I thought that was what that meant. I mean, I think it does. But <laughs> given where we live, I think they might also be the, the both. Yeah, exactly. So they got you covered either way. Uh, they're nine time winner of best American blended whiskeys, uh, since 2016, they've won in every year, but, uh, 2020, which, you know, didn't have a thing because of the COVID. So they're pretty good at making whiskey is what I'm trying to say. Not bad. Uh, you can get them again, available in all 50 states at your local retailer. You can go to Breckenridge distillery.com for home delivery even. So get over there. Get yourself some Breckenridge Distillery Whiskey. Also brought to you by the folks over at Kind Love. The reason the distillery is the highest, Kind Love's turbo joints, let's be honest, is those things get you really, really high. (laughs) Look, I'm a lightweight. I'll admit it. You give me a turbo joint, I take one puff, and it's like, all right, I'm good. (laughs) Like My night is is good to go. So they know what they're doing. They, They make some good stuff over at Kind Love. Uh, you can get over there today and use code DNVR to get 25% off your entire order in store. You can also check out kindlove.com to order online if that's your thing. They're one of the longest standing dispensaries in Colorado. They've been around since 2010. All of their stuff is homegrown. It's farm-to-table weed. So go check them out today, kindlove.com. Use the DNVR code to get that 25% off on all of their flower, turbo joints, and otherwise. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Kind of just wrapping things up with this Kovalenko, Tarasenko, whatever conversation. Not a Russian, but is there any consideration to Patrick Kane? Obviously, the injury is going to hold him out of the front half of the year. Um, I mean, look, if, if they're wanting to get in on that type of stuff, and honestly, there was a question that came through about Jonathan Taves. Uh I think he's going to be kind of in that same boat of wait and see. His yeah. Jonathan Taves' agent. I don't fully know what this know what this means, but apparently <laughs> on like the official free agent registry, Jonathan Taves is not currently listed. Now, it's something that his agent did. I, I don't know. I don't fully understand what all that means. But I think him, guys like Patrick Kane are trying to figure it out. If you know if they can even play this year, if the Abs are wanting to be involved on that, then they're they're going to have to be done for right now. They're yeah, going to have to go into camp sure. in the season and all that stuff. Um, 
and I think that honestly, that's the same conversation as the Tarasenko one, where it's do you wanna, definitely underpaying. Him do you want sure. a shot at a cup? Yeah, you know, a, a guy like Patrick Kane, he makes it interesting just because, I mean, like that's a clear cut top six guy. Like you are yep. shifting things around at that point. You're probably moving Miko to the middle. You're probably dropping Ryan Johansson down. Hey, look, all I'm saying is it wouldn't be the first time Patrick Kane sat out all the way into the playoffs to avoid <laughs> the salary cap. It's all yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, no, I don't know. It's it's. I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Avs were interested in those types of guys. But again, that's we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to give you a smaller deal. The cap, hat, the cap hit's going to be smaller. It'll be prorated, all that stuff. Yep. Um, I, but but I, I do. I, I think if... I think Jonathan Taves is still floating out there and he wants to play again. I think a one-by-one would absolutely still be on the table for the Avs. That's a perfect deal for what they're looking for. Uh, Patrick Kane, I think that one's tougher to make work given what's available money-wise, but yeah. if if he's going to sit out there and really want... The Avs are going to have the, we can give you a shot at a cup. Yep, that's their big selling point for the big names. Yep. That, that, that We don't have the money, but we can give you another chance at a championship. And Patrick Kane, you are going to go right back in to free agency next year in chat. I, I think you're crazy on this one. Don't get me wrong. Puyo Yarvi is a fun story. It'd be a cool pickup. Mm. I'm, I'm down. If the abs are interested yeah, in that, too. I'm down to take him over Patrick Kane. That'd assuming be... they're both the same amount of healthy is crazy. If, if, <laughs> if Patrick Kane told Chris McFarland, I'll do one year, 2.5. And Pugliarvi said, I'll do one by one. You take Patrick Kane. Ten times out of ten. Dude, it, like, like every time. Every time. One and, of and, those dudes is going to the Hall of Fame. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and this is from someone who was trying to find a way to shoehorn Jesse Pugliarvi onto this roster <laughs> at every turn last year. <laughs> you take Patrick Kane every time. I get it. People don't like Patrick Kane. I beat up the cab driver. He, but he was on the, I get it. I get every reason why people don't like him. You take Patrick Kane every time. Yeah. From a business standpoint, right. it's not even close. From a trying to win standpoint. Yeah. I, it's just, yeah. It, not that I'm against Puyo Yarvi. No. It's just, that's not comparable, those not, two. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. It's not that we're, not that we're anti Puyo Yarvi. It's just, that's not even the same conversation. Uh, yep. Which, it does kind of bring us to our next conversation, though. Contract value in the NHL. We'll get to ELCs in a minute. I kind of want to put them in their own box. So glad you want to talk about this. I think it's so interesting. Look, the the common sense, the thing that everyone says, $10,000 a point is the value target in the NHL. Now, that does not explain the whole picture. Kel McCarr makes $9 million. He's worth every penny and then some. He's never had a 90-point season. Outside of ELCs, how do you find value in the NHL? Sure. Contracts like Jonathan Druin. We see the abs did it with Val Nichushkin. The abs have that part of it down. How else can you do this, though? Is, is Are there other ways, or is the rest of it mostly just avoiding bad contracts? I think that's a big part of it. Okay. I think it's a big part of it of, of let's not do anything dumb. I think that's a big part of it, and not a lot of teams can avoid that. So that's one. Don't don't give out anything that's clearly outside of the value. <clears throat> For me, you know, we've talked a lot the last two seasons, and there's talk now of it happening in the NBA with the Nuggets, that the, the Nuggets are actually changing the way that some teams play yeah. and the way that some teams put their teams together. And I think the Avs have done a bit of that as well. Uh, yes. And, and I think you've seen it in the last two summers, the way that people are paying puck moving defensemen. I, I, the way I put it is it's not quite, you still have one true defenseman on the ice at any given mm -hmm. time, but the abs are bordering on playing positionless hockey. I, I mean, do they, they, they play as a team, I think close to three forwards, one defenseman and a Rover, yep. then they're, they're closer than any other team and, and they get away with it because their Rovers are <laughs> defensively responsible yeah, and, and even then like you say one defenseman but it's not like Devon Taves is afraid to yeah. jump up into the play whenever no. he wants like, and, and, and so where I'm going with this is is so the abs are now they're, they're, they're 
they established their style. They, they established a culture. Yep. Then they established a play style, and they said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna fill to this play style." Yep. And I think the way the Avs have found value contracts is modeled off the way we've seen other teams like Chicago in the 2010s, mm -hmm. like Pittsburgh, like Tampa, but maybe a little bit more pointed where they're saying, instead of just trying to find players that we think are generally undervalued, we want to find players that are undervalued around the league that, that fit our that system. Fit our yep. system. Yep. The Avs, it, I mean, it's, the, it's the, uh, the, the, the classic Herb Brooks line. Not looking for the best players. We're looking for the right players. Yep. And I think that's why you see a guy like Arturi Lekkinen that came in as a clear-cut third-line player. Yeah. No doubt when he signed with, or rather when he was traded yep. to the Avs. Clear. But now, I mean, we've had the argument, you I, you almost can't justify taking him off your top line. Yep. Like And, and, and so I think that is going to be the direction that you are going to see NHL organizations go. You have to establish a play style. You have to establish an identity and then your pro scouting has to go out and find players that Evan Rodriguez is a great example. Yeah. Here's a player that yeah. we all knew that that was a value deal, but teams around the league said, ah, we just don't really have room for an up and down middle six guy. The have said, this is a middle six guy that we think does this well, does this well, does this well. We can get value beyond maybe what he's worth. And I think that's yeah. where I love that answer with where the NHL is going. That's going to be how you're going to have to do it. Cap going up is going to help. But with the NHL having the hardest salary cap of any of the pro leagues, that's how you're going to have to do it. So let me ask you this then. Is it possible to be consistent at finding? Uh, no, look, I don't think Erod was that hard of a find. It was just a good value proposition for Colorado. But guys like Nuchushkin, is it possible for NHL teams to find reclamation projects like that consistently? Do the Avs just get kind of lucky with that one? I think that one in particular, there's obviously a big stroke of luck with that because, I mean, Val Nachushkin uh, really When he took became off. a 60-point player, right, like, right. obviously Dominating not expecting the Stanley that. Cup final. Yeah. But I, 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 I do think, man, like, I, I, I do think there are ways, and, and again, that's the easiest one to point to because of the success, but I think a guy like Lekkanen is another example. Of it. I mean, Devon Taves is another example of it. Uh, I mean, shit, dude, you could maybe even make the fringe argument that a guy like Sam Girard was like the first one of those where he was trying to crack the NHL lineup in Nashville. And Jared Bedarder said, I'm going to build your yeah. deep pairing centered around what you do really well. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I do think that you are going to start seeing more money poured into pro scouting departments and the way that that teams understand players better. Um, so I, I do think there is going to be a way to do that. Cause I mean, we see it every year, man, whether it's intentional or not, yeah. a player pops, you know, maybe it's on a, an all-star level breakout, but a player pops somewhere new and they go, he just fits really well. What, I mean, Lars Eller is a good example in Washington. Yep. He was a, a good player in Montreal, got to Washington and became a staple in that lineup. Helped did them what, win a cup, yep. help them win a cup, scores the club cup clinching goal. Um, you know, identified these are, Things that we do well, we think Lars Ellers can help. I don't know if this is what the Toronto comment is necessarily talking about, but I think that's part of the issue that Toronto has. Yep. They have an identity for four players. And past that, it's like, well, how can you support those four players? And so who do you possibly bring in to fit into that type of system? Nobody. Like, no, like nobody can just be like, well, help those guys. So I think part of this Toronto problem is they've struggled to find reclamation projects or, or good mm -hmm. value guys where they had found successes with guys like Michael Bunting yep, yep. who are on ELCs and then they find success. And then, Oh, guess what? You have to pay that guy. Yep. You saw it with the abs and Bowen Byram this off season, mm -hmm. or they have to give a significant contract to a guy who was at 900 K and don't get me wrong on the ELC. It was good value. We'll get into that. Always is. Yep. But when you look at someone like Val Nachushkin, Oh, they got him for literally nothing. And then the next deal, oh, it's only two and a half million for Val for the next couple of years. Right. They win the cup. Obviously, Val gets paid after that. Mm -hmm. But you have to find those middle grounds at times yep. with these, I don't want to call them in-between players, but certainly players that are definitely not defined stars. <sighs> This is where I worry a little bit about something like the Ross Colton contract. What's so fucking... Finish your thought. Finish your thought. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong. I think he will be good and live up to it. But if he doesn't, 
that four million becomes a tough pill to swallow really quickly. So what's so funny, I was actually about to use Mileswood or Ross yeah. Colton as the example going the other way, where I think one of the other things that I think you're going to have to start doing is, is you're going to have to, and again, this isn't exclusive to the Colorado Avalanche, you're going to have to start trusting your pro scouting for yep. what you're exactly talking yep, about. Yep, yep. Hey, we trust, we our pro scouts have had, 10 home runs in the last in the Jared Bednar era. Yep. We are going to trust that what they are telling us about Miles Wood is right. And we are going to try to save ourselves a few bucks three years from now, because if this guy fits into our system, the way that we think he can plays off the rush Two five could look like a steal in a couple of years. Right. Yeah. You, you are banking on that is your value contract three years from now, yep. two years from now. Holy smokes. They're only paying miles Wood, a bona fide 15 goal guy for them. Two and a half million. What a steal. I think that's what the Avs are trying to do with the Mileswood and the Ross Colton. We trust everything that we just talked about. We trust that these guys are going to fit into our system better than they did where they were yep. because of X, Y, and Z factors that we you know, go on internally, and we think these are going to be value deals in a couple of years while they may look a little steep right now. And certainly during the offseason, there's zero reason to doubt yeah. The Avs pro scouting staff. Totally. Trade deadline, there are some questionable moves. Obviously, the one year everything worked out. But in the offseason, they've gotten almost every single move right. As far as the ones, you know, the waiver claims or whatever that cost them nothing sometimes don't work out. But who cares? Right. The actual UFA acquisitions have just been so unbelievably good for this I, I organization. Can't, I can't think... In the Jared Bednar era, era, which was the official turn of the page, even in that 48-point season, I cannot think, Rudo, of a trade or a signing that they have made after Patrick Waugh left that was like a, oof, yeah, that was a tough one. Uh, Again, they haven't all necessarily been home runs, but like, can you think of a a bad one? Soderbergh and Nemeth in the, the COVID season. I'll give you Nemeth. I will give and, you Nemeth. And even then, it's like, okay, he was bad, but you gave up a fifth? Like. Right, right, right. I will give you Nemeth. But Soderbergh was even one where it was like, he was so good for you. The last, like, I understood why they did uh, that. Me too. I, like, I got the concept. It just didn't work the, out. The, ne- the Nemeth one, I, I had written that one off my brain, but you are correct. Because I remember when they made that one, it's like, why and, go back to that well? He was yeah, barely passable. Yeah, and like... I know you and I, this podcast, thinks Lars Eller was fine. There are some people who didn't like that move. Sure. I'll, I'm going to let you have it. No no need to argue about it. I, I'll, say, I'll, I'll let you have it with, with – I won't let you have it with anything less than an asterisk of there were a ton <laughs> of injuries and that dude was playing second-line center yeah, by the time it was all said and done. Very true. But so I, you know, I said forget it. Forget the trade deadline. Look at the off-season moves that this organization has had. And find me a miss. Like I, someone put Yakupov. I'll even argue. I'll even argue that he played in a fourth round role. He was a healthy scratch. He contributed more than ten goals. Yeah. Like was he great? No. Was he good? Probably not. Was he worse was, than his contract? No. No. He was an eight hundred k one year deal. And right. then, like I said, he contributed double digit goals for you. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Colburn was signed before Bednar was head coach. I believe. Yep. yep that but was, that was right well, before Wall was like, bye. That was one of the moves yeah. that led to so much contention because Patrick Wall wanted big, heavy, yep. veteran players. So that was that was one of the one of the last like we're not going in this direction for exactly what played out. Uh, Sternford Jost is an interesting one. I think if you look at actual value of player, you could probably make an argument for Jost, but one, Sturm, very good on the defensive side. Two, I'm never going to forget Nico Sturm because he assisted on what should have been a goal that he shanked so badly it went off Cogliano's knee. Yep. Ended up being a critical goal for Primary Colorado. Primary assist. And, and like... If he doesn't get a stick on that puck, it bounces away. He, you know, he also was going to shoot it eight feet wide, but <laughs> the puck went in the net. So sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. So true. Just uh, ask Ben Myers. Right. Well, and, and I, I did like, I liked Sturm. He was, he was perfectly fine. Not worth the two million or whatever he made, and then popped off for San Jose or whatever. Uh, it, you know, 
it, it, those the moves. Colburn demarcation line. Anybody signed after? Anybody brought in after Joe Colburn? Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's when things turned around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He With was the sacrifice. Joe Colburn, yeah. <laughs> One hat trick and then sacrifice to the gods. Poor Joe Colburn. Yeah, dude, no kidding. Uh, I I think Sturm and Jost are actually pretty comparable players, to be honest with you. And I think the reason they liked Sturm more here is because he was bigger. Yep. Harder to harder to play against. <laughs> harder to play against. Full circle, haven't we? Look at that. Always do. We can also come full circle by being brought to you by the fantastic folks over at Volo Sports. You have until the first week of August. Just sign up for their current leagues that are ongoing. So get on it. Go over to volosports.com slash Denver today. Use the DNVR code to get $10 off. Sign up for whatever leagues you want. They have tons of different things. Kickball, volleyball, racquetball, pickleball, uh, soccer, which, by the way, World Cup going on right now. Maybe yep. get in on the soccer action. Uh, tons of different stuff. All social sports. They're the biggest social sports company in the United States. DNVR has got the kickball league going. Uh, you can also sign up if you really like it for their uh, full sports pass, which is just 20 bucks a month. You can try it for the first three months and get the beta pass just 10 bucks a month. So it's a great deal. You can go out and play a bunch of sports with a bunch of people, have a great time. And usually in the evenings, a bunch of them come back here to DNVR bar and all yeah. have, uh, have some drinks together. So it's always a fun time with Volo. Again, volosports.com slash Denver today. Use the DNVR 10 code. Come play some sports with us. And when you're out there on the field, Jesse, is the rain done? Has it gone forever? This week it is at least. Thank God. This this week it's like mid-90s all. all right. Actually, I did I saw a day that said like a high of 95 and rain. I was like, well, hang on a minute. Let's yeah. I mean, let's see what happens here. But I think I think we've got like a week here, Rudo. Where you can wear your shady rays. Actually in the sun, yeah. enjoying yourself. Uh, go check them out, ShadyRays.com. Use the DNVR code, buy a pair of sunglasses, get 50% off when you buy a second pair. Uh, a bunch of amazing styles and shapes and designs. You can't go wrong with it. Well, there's a giant shark eating a dinosaur on this screen. All right, that is crazy. I can't believe that movie got approved for a right? sequel. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, get your Shady Rays today. Again, ShadyRays.com. Or if you're local, they have a brick and mortar in the Park Meadows Mall. Be sure to use that DNVR code so you're looking good in your sunglasses. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Jesse, are ELCs too good? What do you mean? Are they too valuable in the NHL that you can get a player like Trevor Zegras, that you can get a player like Connor Bedard, for less than a million dollars a year against the salary cap. And I get there's bonuses that roll over and all the silliness, but... No, only because... Only because they don't do what we've talked about where they give you cap help for players that you've drafted. The, the, the NHL salary cap is too strict to not have something like this where it's... I agree. You, you, like you have to give teams something somewhere. I, I don't, I don't want to see them go to the luxury tax thing because then it. you're, you're right back into yeah. the, the rich teams will just spend it. Like right. they don't care. Right, yeah. right, right. And so I, I, I like that they have a hard cap for the competitiveness, but I would like to see them give some breaks. I have always said th they should give a 10% cap hit reduction relative to the actual contract value for players that you drafted in your organization. If you let that player walk in free agency, then you trade for him back three years later. You don't get the discount on him anymore. But if you traded for, or if you drafted him, signed him, developed them, and now they're on your team in your organization, you should get a discount against the salary cap. If the league isn't going to do that. You have to keep ELCs as valuable as they are, where you can get three years of Connor Bedard at less than a million dollars, you know, against the cap. Otherwise, if we're talking about now you have to start giving these guys bigger contracts, signing bonuses that go against the cap, all that stuff. You're going to be in a lot of trouble. So this is a tough spot for me because I do think most sports leagues don't give their younger players enough agency and opportunity to make money, especially in sports like 
football and hockey that are extremely physical and you're talking about their careers could be over very quickly. But I also agree with you. And we've seen this happen in other leagues. We saw it happen in football with quarterbacks. this, This is why they changed the rule to limit how much rookies can make because you can sink your organization by yeah. paying a jillion dollars to well, it was Sam Bradford that they paid like $40 million mm-hmm. before he even played a pro game and yeah. he wasn't any good. So I, you do have to avoid that because organizations will just destroy themselves if you give them free reign. Well, and, and I do think that NHL, the NHL and <laughs> hockey in general is unique in that. I mean, Ruto, the NFL... Your first and second round picks are playing in the NFL the next year. Like right if you're taking away. a guy in rounds and one or two, they're they're getting in snaps. And, uh, so is Bedard, to be fair. Well, 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 so, but but you're talking about you're talking about one one there. I with and, the and, NHL, it's like sixty guys. And, I get and my, it. Or NFL, my, my point is more of that. Like, yeah, rounds one through two in the NFL, those guys are getting in meaningful snaps. Yeah, and even the rest of your draft, those guys are dressing. Those guys are practice squad. Those guys are getting snaps here and there, there's injuries. NBA, same thing. A lot of those guys make the jump right away. Yep. You know, they have the G League that some of those guys go playing, but a lot of those players, you know, start making the jump At immediately. At least we'll play 10 games or right. whatever, yeah. The NHL, I mean, picks number two and three sign their ELCs, and everyone was like, whoa, <laughs> big deal. <laughs> and, and Leo Carlson, I believe, is AHL eligible. If he wants to come to North America, yeah. Right, but you see, he signed his Anaheim ELC, so, I mean, he could play in San Diego. Once you get beyond pick four... Yeah, dudes just don't make it. They just don't make it, and if you do get a player that makes it in that first year, it's a big, yeah. big, big deal. That player really bucked a lot of trends. Yep. So I, I just think it's different because you, you, you have to be able to give these kids runway to see if they can play at the pro level nail yakupov is a first overall from not all that long ago who was out of the league within six years seven years yeah something like that and you know was healthy scratched before that had been bounced around to a few different teams as as confident as everybody is in Connor bedard and i think he'll be very good there is and i think it's extremely slim like there is a very 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 slim chance that Connor bedard never takes over the league the way that people think I, he will a more recent i guess technically second overall but nolan patrick Nolan, great dude great example they're great example and, and it's hard for me with nolan patrick because i'm looking at that guy going he probably deserved to make more money a yep. lot of his issues where he just couldn't stay healthy mm-hmm. but at the same time a, a team's aren't going to give him more money now like he couldn't stay healthy he didn't earn that much more money and you know, I think there's probably a middle ground where the NHL probably could pay them a little bit more and it would still be the necessary value that helps teams stay under the salary cap. But I, it's just such a hard proposition from a business standpoint. And obviously the owners are going to say, hell no, we don't want to <laughs> pay these guys more than we have to, which there's some bad there, but... <laughs> But but so that's my thing again. As as confident as I feel that Connor Bedard's going to put up sixty to seventy points this year, even on a very bad Chicago team, he's a little undersized. Who yeah. knows? Maybe he just can't adapt to the physicality. Again, that is not me predicting that. <laughs> this is purely my argument for you need to keep in the ELCs. multiverse. There's a universe right, where that right. happens because <laughs> you know. Picture you're you know you're a team. Chicago drafts Connor Bedard, and they got to turn around and pay him. Seven million dollars right away, and there's a like you said, there's a multiverse where it turns out that Connor Bedard is not ever a seven million dollar player. We don't know if we're living in that one yet. I'd be floored if we were, would be shocked, yeah, floored like beyond floored. But I mean, who was the kid that was taken ahead of the Sedins that everyone was like, this is the a can't miss prospect, the next coming of Wayne Gretzky, whatever, and he's now considered to be like one of the worst first overalls. Of all time. Was that the, was, what's his name? The Sedin draft? I forget. Um, dude, it's going to bother. It's okay. It's the, it was the Atlanta I'll dude, I thought. Up. Or no, Ottawa. It was Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah. I forget his name. But, That's but, okay. I'll but the point is, like you said. With, with, uh, it's not the one I was thinking of, but Stefan. Thank you. Yes, Stefan. I couldn't think of who it was. But to your point of whoever the quarterback was, they gave him an outrageous deal before he had ever even played a pro snap. And he wasn't any good. 
got to move on. You just wasted $40 million. <laughs> ELCs protect teams from that. ELCs protect players from getting... Because, I mean, like that, there is a level of this, too, that I don't think people necessarily fully talk about. Could you imagine an 8-17 when he's drafted? They Chicago had to delay their development camp so that Connor Bedard could take part in it. Could you imagine giving this freshly turned 18-year-old kid some huge contract like that? The weight that now rests on that kid's shoulders more so than it already does with saving a franchise and especially in, yeah. in a city like Chicago and... They, they just turned over their last captain, their, you know, their leadership core. You know that it's being expected that he'll take over in that role in just a couple of years. Now, suddenly you add, uh, yeah, a $10 million deal with signing bonuses and all that on top of that. that that's, that's too much for kids like that. An interesting comment here from Dirk, though, who does say the NHL really doesn't put a great emphasis on its superstars, though. Guys like McDavid McKinnon make so little compared to superstars in other leagues. That's absolutely true. 100%. And this is way That's a less. separate issue. Yeah, this is not on the players or the owners. This is a failure of the NHL to me that has failed to garner a bigger market, that mm-hmm. has failed to advertise itself and have the opportunity to pay its players more. I think the NHL would love for their salary cap to be $200 million if they could. Yeah. But they're just not that big. The the NHL has been a gate-driven league, and that's finally started to change since 2020 when they realized... Let's make 85 jerseys, and they sell like hotcakes. Right. (laughs) We we can't put ourselves in this situation again where we rely so much on the gate revenue to potentially have it taken away for a year at a time. Yep. And then the other thing to keep in mind too, I actually had a buddy uh, talk to me about this last week. That, that was just a really interesting thing that I had always known, but I hadn't ever really thought about, you know, talking about some of these contracts and just some of the positions that teams are in and guys having to take lesser deals. The NHL and its organizations were accounting on the cap continuing to raise year over year. Yep. Right up until March of 2020 when all of that stopped. So there was some contracts and some money handed out that people were expecting the cap to continue to grow. And, and didn't. a lot of teams got stuck, got yep. stuck. And, and so it's just, it's the last three years have all been really weird money wise in the NHL. The cap should be higher. We probably should be pushing a hundred million now at this point, or at least getting close in that ballpark of approaching a hundred million dollar salary cap. COVID stunted that, but it cannot be undersold what you're talking about that they, the NHL hasn't grown the league aggressively. They have failed to market their game well enough to. The the 0405 lockout, I know that the game is bigger now than it ever was before, but that had a huge effect. Yep. And And uh, the NHL is still reeling from that. I mean, you look at 20 years ago. Basketball was bigger than the NHL, but not by the Grand Canyon that's between them now. The basketball, by far, has been the league that has marketed itself the best in the 2000s and onward. And they're huge. Yeah, They're gigantic now. Jokic just signed a contract that's worth three NHL teams. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah. One, well, and see the, from Brian there, the comment about the overpayment is what, you know, creates bad culture in the other leagues. I, I, I understand why people say that, and I know money you know, does crazy things. People I've always thought, and this is where I've disagreed with people that talk about hockey, having such a terrible culture. Hockey is one of the, of the major four. I guess I can't speak too much to baseball compared to the NBA and the NFL. Weird. (laughs) There is less emphasis on individual players in hockey than any of the other sports. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny. I was watching uh, the World Cup this morning, and Brazil scored like an insane team goal. And the person who scored the goal after getting like an unbelievable pass runs off to the corner by themselves. And I went, huh. Yeah. That goal gets scored in hockey. The person who scores it immediately turns to their teammates. They're pointing points, at each yeah. other. Yeah. Like, There is a, and again, it has manifested itself in some not great ways. I'm not going to argue that. But there is a strong culture of team before self, uh, you know, putting others ahead of you, stay out of the spotlight. You need others around you to be successful. Uh, team success breeds individual success. Like that, that is 
the experience I have had with hockey and its culture going back to the time that I was four years old. And I think that is a lot of what makes it what that comment was talking about, the difference between, I think, a lot of the individual athletes in the NHL and some of these other leagues. And then the other thing, too, is all of these guys, even hockey players, when you are at the level where you are reaching these pro leagues, your entire life, you've been told you're the man. Yeah. You're the best. You can get away with it. Ah, yeah, we let him do it because he's so much better. Da, 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 da. And I think that that just kind of continues to manifest itself when you get to the NBA uh, because there is so much built around one superstar. So two superstars. Hockey like people aren't going to like this. Uh-oh. Prima donnas and dudes who are flamboyant and love to talk about themselves and will show some character will grow hockey. Yeah. It will bring in people because people eat that shit up. People so, love drama. If you want to grow your game, a little bit of that is actually a good thing. So <clears throat> there was a comment that said, I've gotten so many of my friends into hockey. How, do, how does the market fail at marketing? Here's... Hockey's issue it is complicated. There's a lot of rules. Yep. It moves fast. And there's a lot of whistles, and you don't know why. Yep. If you don't have someone sitting there telling you what the hell is going on, it's, it's really hard. It is hard. It's a hard game to understand. We love it. Yep. We've been watching it for decades. So we watch it, and I know there's a whistle, and I, you know, I laugh because I have people sitting with me, near me, next to me, whatever. All the time, we'll be watching games. What was that? Oh, uh, hand pass. Yeah. Oh, this. Yep. Oh, covered the puck. Oh, offside. Again, I know it because I've that's all I've ever done. Yep. When you're a new fan, I, I get why understanding hockey is difficult. It's the same reason why what they're saying, anytime you get someone to watch it, they know that it's fast and goals and hits and it's fun. But to get someone like into hockey is complicated. The Seattle Kraken, I think, are the blueprint for what the NHL needs to do if they're serious about growing the game. The, the, the way that they need to. Seattle still, they put out a weekly thing. Here's what offsides is. Yep. Here's what a hand pass whistle is. Here's what a high sticking penalty is. I get, I get people don't like Paul Bissonette. I get that people don't like the vibe of some of the ESPN stuff. But a lot of that is meant it, it's to... It's geared toward new people. Embracing yeah. new fans. And what I actually think the biggest detriment to those shows are is that you got Paul Bissonette and Wayne Gretzky sitting yeah. right next to each other. You have competing factions that, that it, it creates for just awkward, clunky television. Hockey is still trying way too hard to cater to the let, old... Let the old guys go. Right, yeah. right. You gotta let them go. Still, like... I consider myself to be part of that group, honestly. Like, the old school... Like, not, hey, I, look, not old school, but like... I understand hockey. I don't need anyone to explain it to me. I like it. If never, if nothing ever changed again, I would be happy. But the NHL needs to stop worrying about me. I'm gonna watch it no matter what. You gotta, you gotta cater to new fans. You gotta grow the audience. You gotta get more money right. into the sport. When I'm old and gray, chat, and my boomer takes are off the rocker, I just need you guys to take me out behind the shed. <laughs> We're going old yeller, all right? Put, take me out behind a shed and put a TV yeah. out there and say, you watch out here yeah. now. <laughs> sure. You can still watch, but you don't get to be on the internet. When my time comes, just just tell me, Chad. All right? <laughs> just just tell me and I'll move on. And so that's that's its biggest issue is they hockey fans who like hockey have to be okay with the sport, embracing people that don't like hockey yeah. to get them uh, to like hockey. So two things there, and then we can wrap up the show. One Yes, hockey is always going to be limited because it's always going to be a wealthy person sport. It's just the reality of the cost of hockey. There's yeah. more gear for that game than any other game. And, and ice refrigeration systems yeah, are expensive. It, unfortunately, it's just something that hockey's always going to have to deal with. But two, you know, over the last couple of years, I'm not saying it's great, but the NHL has started to do a better job with this ESPN TNT deal. Yep. They're starting to try stuff like the, the cartoon games that they're showing, trying to get yep. kids into it. I still think they're making mistakes by not continuing to sell reverse retro jerseys. I agree. But compared to a decade ago, when you're signing an exclusive deal to be on NBC sports network, right. where nobody watches you, they're moving in the right direction. Well, they're, yeah, they're, they're moving in the right direction and they're trying things. You can tell for the first time there is at least a large enough contingency in the room 
to say we need to at least try this. Like you said, the reverse retro stuff, they do them limited. They only wear them for X number of games. So you can tell that the, the old school contingency is still the loudest voice in those board meetings, but there's at least fresher it's voices coming, to come in, starting yeah. to turn over. They're trying things. And then the one last thing, and I think the abs do a great job of this, but they could even still do better. And the league needs to do better about this. The abs put on, it used to be called hockey is for everyone. And now I can't remember what they call it, but they put on, uh, youth hockey events, I think three times a year where you pay up. It's, it's a very reasonable fee. Yeah. 50, 60 bucks. And they give you skates, shin pads, pants, gloves, a stick. And you know, it's for under a certain age, the league needs to be getting more involved in stuff like that. Because to your point, Rudo, it is expensive. It is hard to get in. Uh, if, if you are, if you're out there and you want to get into hockey, you have a kid that wants to get into hockey and, and you can't afford ice. I totally get it. I would recommend getting them into roller hockey uh, just so that they can start understanding yep. the, the the motion, the way that, you know, being on skates, the, the physicality, handing a puck, shooting it, things like that. And then, you know, try to work your way to the ice side. But um, the NHL needs to do better about making the game more accessible. I get it. It's hard. Ice time is expensive. Uh, gear is expensive. Yep. All of that. That's not going to go away. But It's never going to go away. But there are large organizations that can help. And, and I think the NHL needs to be better about shout that. Shout out to the Abs and, and the Altitude crew. Yep. It, especially, at, they've started doing this like five or six years ago. Every single game, there'll be a break where they're like, here's the local 12-year-old yep. team that just won this tournament or whatever. Yep. They've really done a great job of trying to get people playing the sport of hockey and showcasing that you know who does a great job of that for reasons they need to is arizona if yes you, they do um pd's always out there always, repping everything yep. yep and and in the old gila river arena um the entire concourse or certain stretches of it they had local team jerseys yep, just yep. hung up all along the main concourse and, and i do think embracing more things like that learn to play the abs do the ball hockey tournament in the parking lot every yep, year. Yep. Um, that's that stuff that you've got to, you, you've got to embrace. Brian's got the the thing here. Yeah, no, we, we, we laugh every year. A lot of the guys I play ice with, we, we play ice and roller and it's so funny because the league dues come avail or come around at <laughs> about ridiculous. the same time. Dude, seriously, we, we play, uh, in a, in a league down in Parker that I believe it's $65 a season. And, any ice league, edge, family sports, yeah. um, I, uh, promenade, Jesus fuck. Uh, I mean, they're all anywhere between 475 to 600. I think another thing for especially a city like Denver, who is burgeoning into a major city in the United States, there just needs to be more ice. Yes. Their ice time is so hard to come by in this city. That, that, that's the other thing, too, is not only is it expensive, but because they're so you know, relatively few, Getting a sheet of ice is just I, like I'm sorry. I'm can you not be here at six a.m. I'm not playing a pickup game at five in the morning. It's right. not happening. <laughs> and, <laughs> and also, like from friends that I've had that have played like beer leagues, it seems like they're all old as shit yeah. too. Well, so there's uh, Promenade is a very nice facility up north, uh, but I've, like down foothills down here right. is ancient. B yeah. Boulder is the sports stable that was recently remodeled, and then there's the new South Suburban sheet. But that's not even an NHL spec sheet. Yep. And then past that, to your point, they're all kind of beat up and shitty. Like yep. the ice at Ice Ranch is terrible. Yeah. Uh, the edge was dope in 2006. Right. Now it's dilapidated. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, family sports is like kind of gross for it's, beer league. It's just generally bad. Let alone <laughs> NHL players. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tough. And then if you're not playing at 6am, it's a men's league game and you're playing at 10 PM. Yep. And so again, for me, someone who's been playing hockey since I was four. Yeah. That's just kind of how it's been trying to get new people into hockey. That's all terrible. Yep. People just say, I'm not doing that and move on and go do something else. Right. Like anyway, I'm, I'm about done as we cross the hour mark. Anything else you wanted to add, Jesse? No, I actually think that was pretty good. There I think you it was go. a good conversation. Yeah, for an off for us off season Monday. Monday. Yeah. <laughs> had a had a decent one today. Good for us. Have a decent beer while you're at it. Go get yourself a Breckenridge Brewery beer, particularly the Palisade Peach. Very popular. Jesse just said it's gonna be hot as hell this week. Yeah. So 
get yourself a, a nice refreshing beer like that from Breck Brew. You can get it from your local liquor store. Use the Breck Brew beer locator on breckbrew.com. Everywhere in the 50 United States, obviously, if you're local, come down to the bar. Uh, we got World Cup watch-alongs yep. for all of the U.S. games. So come vibe for, for some of those. It should be an absolute blast. And you get dope Breckenridge beer. So, yeah, good times. We're going to get out of here. We appreciate all y'all hanging out with us this Monday. Four more shows to go this week. <laughs> I, I think we can get through this week before we really start breaking down. I, I told the, Dre that earlier. Yeah. I said, honestly, dude, I think we've got this week where we can have some decent conversation. The next week we're talking mailbags and Look, if we make Mount it, Rushmore's. If we made it to August with all real conversation, I'm proud of yeah, us. Yeah, me too. All right? Yeah, and I think so. that should be our goal even. <laughs> there you go. We appreciate y'all, and we will see you on the next one.